Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are wrapping up Horror Month, which makes me very sad. I feel like it literally just begun, so it's it just sped by. This month just always goes by really fast. But we're wrapping it up with something that will probably be a little bit heavier than some of the other things we have been covering, and that's talking about horror films that involve cults. So stuff like Midsommar, Hereditary, um, The Lodge, the House of the Devil, Children of the Corn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm sure you know what we're talking about when we talk about that. <laughs> um, so this may be a little bit more triggering, too. I do want to put that out there, that I know that, you know, a lot of these can involve child abuse, um, sexual abuse, um, lots of different religious abuse. So lots of different abuses out there. I did put on our list of suggestions of ones to possibly watch for this. It doesn't mean everybody had to watch every single one. It was The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. Those are not depressing. <laughs> That's the opposite. Those are really funny. It was like, I was like, I'm going to put one light thing on here. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to put that out there beforehand with the trigger warning. Um, and we will be covering movies I, i'm not sure everything that we're going to be covering in this one but just a spoiler warning ahead of time so once someone starts mentioning a movie it might be spoiled i will try to put in the show notes what movies we do mention just so that you are aware ahead of time ahead of time that there may be some spoilers for that but before we get into all things cult <laughs> and i also want to just give a shout out first to tiff because tiff is dressed in Midsomar gear so we think she says she says that she, you know we can't really see where she is so she could actually have gone and joined and we just don't know <laughs> i could be in norway right now i could be i could be somewhere in norway i don't know you know they might have stolen <laughs> yes 
Yeah, that book pub looks very Norway-ish. <laughs> Norway-ish. Yes, so we we don't know, but but it is it is amazing and I'm going to have to figure out a way, which I know how to do it, to at least if Tiff's okay with it to show people what Tiff is wearing while we're recording it. She's giving me a thumbs up. So, cool. Awesome. Okay, but before we get into all of that, we're going to go around and have everybody tell me what they're into right now in pop culture. And Susie's probably like, I love it. Tiff's on here. I get to go first. <laughs> so <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. Guys, this never happened. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm very excited. Oh, God. So nervous. Okay. <laughs> What am I into recently? I don't know this. Uh, this vapors. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Last night, I I got a chance to watch uh, the School for Good and Evil, which is available on Netflix right now. And let me tell you, uh, story's fine. Whatever. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the absolute beauty that was those costumes the amount of detail listen when i tell you i geeked out over the gathers in like the peasant shirts that all the princes were wearing oh my god it was <laughs> so satisfying like big props to like the costume designer renee let me see if i can say this right renee echrolich kalfus i'm so sorry if i butchered that name renee but big props to you and the whole costuming department because every bit of those costumes was gorgeous. Like even if the movie was bad, the costumes redeemed it because all oh, like the embroidery and the beading and the crystals and the poof and like all the clothes for like all the kids in the school of evil. Oh my God, that's my fantasy. That's how I want to dress every day. It's mm, perfect beautiful watch that movie even if it's just for costuming you can even watch like the first like oh my god the skirts Ooh, the hair the hairstyles let me tell you the only time in my life that I've desired to have long hair that is like my own to like style it into those updos oh my god it was so good it's beautiful. If this movie doesn't win like some sort of like costuming award, I will be very upset. It's, it's so funny because I'm like, the only thing we've talked about are the costumes and the hair. So that was though that was that was amazing though because like, <laughs> sometimes those are the reasons to watch something is more for that than anything else. So, uh, <laughs> so Tiff, I love the fact that Susie was like, "I'm going for it." Let me tell you about these costumes. I don't care about the movie. <laughs> movie was like, man, huh? Okay. But costuming, let's get into it. <laughs> I feel the same way though about, I have to say, um, the live action Cinderella with um, Lily James. Let's, let's talk about Kate Blanchett's looks in that movie. Let's take Kate a quick Blanchett. detour for a second. They yeah. were serving. Those and looks were so tailored and so, <gasps> yes. This yes. is a woman in charge. Basically, she can handle my taxes. The only, yes. the only thing I can say was sumptuous luxury. <laughs> 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 luxury. 
Like, I mean, honestly, luxury or nothing, as the late Andre Leon Talley used to say, luxury or nothing. That's how Kate Blanchett looked in that movie. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Absolutely. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Susie. <laughs> Thank <laughs> but, you. Um, you're welcome. Um, let's see. What to my intro? So I just finished with uh, Dear Daughter, who's the oldest one that I have. We finished She-Hulk. Um, we liked, so there were nine episodes. We loved eight of them. We disliked the finale. It was, it was kind of weird. It was weird. I have to say that it was weird. I was like, you all just kind of ran off the rails. They were like, let's throw everything that we have against the wall and see if it sticks. And that's what happened with the finale. I have, but overall, you know, I give it a B plus for the entire season. It was, it was really good. Tatiana Maslany. As always, Chef's Kiss. And I don't know the woman who plays her assistant. I don't know her name, but she's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's completely awesome. Her clothing is over the top. I love it. She's like, I'm going to throw every accessory that I have in my house on before I walk out the door. Forget what Coco Chanel said. No, I'm not taking everything off. But one thing, no, I'm putting on everything that I have. <laughs> she's a mossing. Um, but yeah, so... We liked it. We did. We liked it a lot. Um, Disney Plus, I think their their Marvel series or their MCU series have been pretty darn good. The only one that I absolutely positively hated was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I still don't know how they got that one so wrong. I I'm just I'm bitter about it because it didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm into right now. She hoped. <laughs> I haven't watched a single one of the Marvel series. <laughs> I know. I like, I think I've watched Disney Plus since Disney Plus has existed. I think I've watched maybe four things on Disney Plus. Maybe. Movies or series? Movies. They were movies. Oh. Like I watched, I watched the latest Thor and then I watched, um, and this is for podcast prep, I watched Willow and the Princess Bride are both on there. Mm-hmm. And then when it first came out, I did the trial thing. And I don't, I don't, I watched that like Lady in the Tramp movie. <laughs> 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 That's so random, but I love it. <laughs> it's you know, what else, you know what things I know you did watch on it? I know you watched the Haunted Mansion Muppet special that had Darren no, I didn't. in it. I didn't. You didn't? <laughs> I thought you did. I'm <gasps> Aaron. You got to watch it. I know. I'm not, a, I'm not a very good Darren Chris fan, I guess. <laughs> I know. I was like, and I should get, because I have it through my sister, actually. It's so that's, but I'm like, I only use it for, I have to do it for podcast stuff. So I know I'm bad about that, but. Oh, well, someday maybe. <laughs> well, if you ever talk about costuming, uh, let's do Cruella because I'm all about that. Yeah, Susie knows. Yeah, that would be a good topic for a podcast. Oh my gosh, Aaron, if you're gonna do a costuming topic on this pod, pencil me in. Oh yeah, I would definitely have to. Because I love. Oh my gosh, I'm asking. (laughs) I I love it. Did you do that? I'm like, oh, happy endings callback. I'm glad that I now know what that is too. Be like, <laughs> okay, that's cute. Uh, it's like, why does she keep saying that? 
So what I'm into is I recently, and it's out now, I did a guest appearance on my podcast, Brain Twin Jen's podcast, My Streaming Bubble, to talk about Scream. And while we were on there, <laughs> while we were on there, we were talking about this VH1 reality show called Scream Queens, not the Ryan Murphy show. This was a reality competition about actresses that were competing to be in the next Saw movie. And I loved this reality show. And I was like, I can't believe someone else watched it. And I'm like, you can't stream it anywhere. Well, thank you again, Tubi, because like I mentioned last week, you have Freddy's Nightmares on there that I thought I could never watch that show anywhere. And they have Scream Queens on there. So yes, it is cheesy. <laughs> Let's all get out. But it is so much fun. And it's fun to watch it and then go to IMDb and see which actresses have like a huge career and which don't. And some of them do and some of them don't. And some of them can surprise you and some of them don't. <laughs> but it's it's a ton of fun. I like that one a lot. And then but the other thing that's interesting about watching that is I'm watching some of the stuff they're making these actresses do. And I'm like, ooh, eek, yikes. I was, <laughs> this is very uncomfortable. <laughs> this makes me very uncomfortable. But I think it's fun. So that's on Tubi. So you do have to deal with commercials. But Tubi is free. And they always have stuff that you can't find a lot of other places. So, yeah. Okay. So now we're getting into cult movies. And once again, uh, trigger warning for sexual abuse, religious abuse, abuse in general. And also, since we will probably, I'm sure, be mentioning Midsommar, also a trigger warning for suicide as well. Yeah, big, big, big one for that. <laughs> so I want to know, Susie, first of all, what are your overall thoughts about this subgenre in horror? Like what works for you and what doesn't, if anything? One thing that I think really works about using kind of cults and horror is depending on how you approach it, because some, some films like Midsommar and The Invitation and such they they kind of present cults as the way some cults present themselves as very kind of like, oh, we're not a dangerous thing for you to get into. Mm -hmm. We're very like unassuming and just a group of people with like-minded ideas who are, you know, just hanging and doing doing things. And when when it's presented to you like that, and even you can see kind of bits of it also in Hereditary, where like these films are presented as very, as just like, oh, so we're not doing anything bad. We're just, just come join us. Just come hang out for a day. It's going to be great. Would you, would you try some of our food? Do you want to wanna hang out and just, you know, go on weird midnight drives? <laughs> Do you want to do fun weird things and you go oh do you want to come to dinner and you're like eh, you know what I'm I'm good I'll just order takeout Netflix and chill in my own house by myself thank you <laughs> but it's like kind of that is really effective because it's presented as something kind of very unassuming that then depending on how it's directed it, it'll ramp up kind of like the psychological horror and horrorness of it all because yes most cults and I think that's kind of like the most effective form of doing a cult movie like the, how I feel because here's the fun little bit of Susie lore I was in a cult before <laughs> I was like I was waiting for you <laughs> so, to tell this story <laughs> yeah yeah so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
it was rec- it was recommended to me by my um hairdresser who told me oh you're very shy you should go to this kind of like self-help thing it wasn't really i guess like the best <laughs> thing in the world because i was in it for like a, a while and when i got out of it i i got out of it of my own choice and everything that went down after that i was kind of going through what i had been through and what was had happened and what was said to me and how i was treated and i went through it and cuz at the time i was watching a lot of cult documentaries and i was like how do people get sucked into these and then i went hold on a second and then i started going through my experience <laughs> there and i and then, and then i was like wait a second i think this might be me like projecting or something so i talked to my mom about it and we were talking and i said do you think like given all the evidence that i've presented to you that i was in a cult and we were talking about it and and she was like yes um i yes you were in a cult susie <laughs> you were in a cult and even people that i've like talked about it since then they it's it's very much an agreed consensus that yes that was a cult because when i looked through every step of it it they did follow every step of like the cult guideline where you come in and they isolate you they love bomb you they kind of make you go through a sort of initiation <laughs> and if you and if you try to get out of it 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 becomes very um they get very violent and very aggressive and like nothing bad uh happened to me like uh, physically i guess you could say but a lot of that like mental and an emotional duress is still is still there just poking around i mean i can laugh about it now because in my opinion especially when it comes to dealing with my own pain if i can't laugh about it then i might just fall to pieces and that's just kind of how i think of it but for me whenever i watch uh cult films the ones that kind of present themselves more innocently they get more effective because that's how it really is like in real life i mean sure the campy ones are the ones that are like outright state that it's a cult like kind of children of the corn babysitter and movies like that they do they're more outright with their advertising like oh it's the cult of children oh the babysitter is leading a satanic cult what are we gonna do those are funny but for me the, the terror comes more from from kind of being kind of oh, i don't know if i can explain this right um kind of being tricked into it in a way because that's, that's how they get you <laughs> Yeah, and thank you for sharing that, by the way, Susie. Thanks for sharing that, your own personal experience. That's so tiff. It's interesting um, to me, the difference in film when you have the cults, like Susie was saying, about the ones who isolate. And Mm -hmm. you have stuff like Midsommar, where they're in this very idyllic setting where everything is flower crowns and maypoles and large community dinners and things like that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. And the sinister that's underneath it is such a nice, not a nice, but (laughs) such a a stark 
uh, dichotomy when you look at the film because there's some real brutality in it. And I know we'll talk about that later. Um, and then you have something like Hereditary where it's all very, there's no isolation in that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a, it's a family home and that's where they are. And they're in, you know, the, the burbs or, you know, small city or whatever. And it's very, even the, the way they shoot that movie, it's very dark. Like the cinematography in it, it's, it's like foreboding. So that one is interesting to me because, you know, it's a normal, you know, air quotes, normal family setting, but you have this overwhelming sense of dread because of how it's shot. And honestly, something like, even something like, and I know we talked about this movie, Aaron, um, Fresh, which to me is, can be considered, and I know people won't consider it a cult film, but to me, I feel it is a cult film simply because, hello, you have people who are paying to eat people. <laughs> so that's if true. that's not a cult, I don't know what else is a cult. And that is, you know, super interesting because you've got these three different settings in that instance. You've got the, you know, kind of uh, not not wrong side of the tracks, but, you know, like kind of a, you know, low lower middle class area where her apartment is. Mm-hmm. And you've got this really nice suburban area where, you know, old boy and his family live. And then you've got his super duper isolated home somewhere out in the woods that's completely creepy, but it still looks nice inside. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, it's really interesting the way different directors choose to interpret material in terms of how a cult actually operates. They have um, the ones where, you know, they pull people in, they isolate them. They have ones where, hey, we're going to operate in plain sight. Uh, i.e. Scientology. And uh, yeah, I said it, FBI agent. I said it. (laughs) I'll say it too. (laughs) And then you have the ones that are like, okay, we're kind of going to be shady, but you still know that we're not really what we think we are or Mm -hmm. what we we say we are. So I think that's kind of the interesting part of it. And even like stuff like Children of the Corn, where... Everything is just creepy from the very beginning. Everything is just, oh, no, creepy children don't like that. Um, that is, I think, separate from the others because that's just like, yeah, from the very beginning. But that's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and the bringing up Fresh is very interesting to look at that because that's a good point. And also his wife, you could consider his wife is like, kind of has been indoctrinated into this and you don't know like the history or anything like that, but you get the feeling that she was, you know, like used part of her body parts and sacrifice that for that's the feeling you get. You don't know for sure, but she's still playing the game and she's still like, she's um, enabling him to do this and helping him to do this, you know, <laughs> to kidnap. And he has all of those women kidnapped and in his luxurious, creepy as hell place. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. And he's a very charismatic man. And he, you know, he knows how to woo you and 
how to say all the right things, even though there's tons of red flags there, but he still knows how to say the right things. Yeah. <laughs> tons of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that movie overall. I think that's one of the, I mean, we've had a great onslaught of horror films this year, but I think that one's really interesting to, to watch. And now, now I see it in a totally different lens too. So that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, cults fascinate me period. Um, I have never been in a cult. I did have, when I was in high school, I did have some cult members came where we had like lunch and started talking to some of us and you could tell, I mean, they were like glass eyed kind of glassy eyed, glassy over. And I was like, I'm just going to sit and talk to them. And you could tell they were getting very excited and thinking that I was very interested in <laughs> joining, but I was just curious and it was really sad and heartbreaking because you could tell whoever they were before was caught up in this. And I think people too often like to say, well, that could never happen to me. I could never get involved in a cult, but cults prey on you. You know, some of them when you're vulnerable, there's also ones that people don't think are cults. Like I think a lot of multi-level marketing things, those are cults. And they also on people wanting to make money, wanting to be independent, wanting all that kind of stuff. And so I think it just, cults just lend themselves to horror very easily because it's horrific what they do and how they prey on people and how they pick those things about someone and pick them at the right moment or say the best things or be like, you know, if you came here, it's utopia here. It's going to be great and wonderful. None of us are, we don't judge. Nobody's going to judge you. You're going to be free to be who you are. Um, you know, we're all about embracing life. And then when you dig underneath and you peel back the layers, there's so much of it is about control and power and, um, you know, some of the people that start to have a huge God complex. Sometimes there's mental illness involved as well. Um, and so, you know, you peel it back and it gets scarier and scarier and scarier and scarier. And you see that with, I think, Midsommar is the most interesting one to examine that just because of the way it ends, where you don't have someone, you know, spoilers, you don't have someone running away from the cult. You have someone going, I'm going to stay here because she's endured so much trauma. She has the worst boyfriend in the world. <laughs> He's such an ass. <laughs> and so she's like, this place is embracing me. They're all about love. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to stay here and, you know, not be with my horrible boyfriend and pretty much horrible friends too. So it's like, you know, she was so, so desperate for something and her family died so horrifically that it makes sense, you know, and she's not finding anyone to care about her grief like her boyfriend who doesn't give a crap about her grief. It's so disgusting to me. So that makes sense. I'm not saying I'm happy that she stays there because it's very sad to me, but it makes sense and it's interesting. And I think, you know, I, I wonder, and I didn't read up, if Ari Aster, who did that and Hereditary, if he just has some fascination with cults, although he really wants to do a musical. I don't know if my panelists know this, but he really wants to do a musical. <laughs> I think he wants to break free from horror and branch out and do other things. But yeah. Yeah. So I just think it just, I think it's very easy to do cult films in horror genre because they just lend themselves so easily. And, and satanic cults as well. Satanism is a big thing, of course. So 
yeah yeah and and i think children of the corn is the creepiest thing in the world so i always will <laughs> i was re-watching it and it, it's just oh those children those children those child actors are way too good too so way too good Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So I want to move on and see what three of your favorite movies are in this genre, Susie. It's a little bit hard to narrow them down uh, sometimes because each of them has their own kind of merits. They have their own strengths. I would say, and this is in like no particular order, Midsommar is one of the ones for me at least that comes to mind because it's such kind of it can be considered sort of kind of a a departure from the usual kind of like horror formula because Mm -hmm. most horror films they take place at night or if they take place during the day they're more likely to take place like Mm -hmm. indoors where it's a little bit darker and stuff so something that I found very interesting about that especially watching it for the first time was just how bright everything is like the 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 clothes like first like first the film starts off like dark granted when Danny's sister takes hers and her parents life unfortunately um but once they get to is it Sweden or Norway Norway okay I I mix the two sometimes (laughs) (laughs) apologies but when they get to Norway, everything is so colorful. It's it's bright daylight. The cult has these white linens and beautiful flowers everywhere. And everything looks so pristine and shiny and new. And, and But there's a lot of horror lurking underneath the, the shiny prettiness. And I think that's such an interesting, such an interesting way to go. Like, I think, especially color palette wise. Because most times when we when we look at like horror movies or or cult movies, we kind of associate darker colors or darker tones with mm-hmm. with them. So to have it be associated with brighter colors and even daylight is something that was very interesting to watch. I think that's that's a really cool aspect of it, or very interesting aspect of it at least to kind of like change those expectations and be and be like oh look is this a horror movie that's taking place in the day and you're like what oh my god no i thought daily was a safe space where you could see all the bad things but no it's helping you see the bad things better oh and to kind of like reverse that one of the other ones that and it's and thank you Aaron, for recommending this movie because i didn't i didn't know about it before but now i know and now it's become one of my 
new favorites is the invitation to 2015 to be spe- to be precise <laughs> not the 2022 vampire film <laughs> but it does like this movie does take place at night during a dinner party that uh, are this was something that confused me when i first watched it a little bit that that this man goes to visit his ex-wife and her new her new her new boyfriend they go him and his new girlfriend go to a dinner party at her house and in like when i first watched it, i was like oh that's nice that they're kind of on good terms but still given the fact that i like i knew it was a cult movie and that and you know and the fact that it's in the in the dark too you also go into it a little bit more wary and you're like okay when are the bad things gonna happen and it is very much kind of a slow a slow build but when they start talking about the cults actively and and trying to convince people to join them they present it very rationally they're like oh mm-hmm. it's not anything bad it's just like a wellness thing and it's and they they show them slight spoiler they show them a video of a woman who's who's dying and how she's going to be reunited with her family in the afterlife and everyone justifiably so is very horrified and tells them we just watched a woman die guys what was that and they try to rationalize it and they go no she's gonna go be with family this is a very natural thing and you go oh yeah and I don't know if this is from like personal experience, but you can understand how they're trying to rationalize it in a way. Because yes, to outsiders, that is very weird, (laughs) very like concerning. Mm -hmm. But to them, when you're in that mentality, that's, that's just okay. That's just something that's been um, explained to you. And through the sense of community and acceptance that you get from that group, you can accept things like that more easily because what other option is there for you other than to kind of drown in your own grief almost. And I think I just, <laughs> and I could see how they, how they, how they understand that and how they're trying to like convince their friends, Hey, we've all had bad experiences. Let's, uh, let's, let's get together. <laughs> but it is a little bit of a slow build, but when it ramps up, it really ramps up. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't really want to spoil any of the action because I do firmly believe that you should go watch it. And as Aaron told us in our, in in our in our uh, Google document with the list of these movies, it's available on Peacock and Shutter. So give it, give that a, give that a watch. But at the final film i'm gonna spoil like a little bit just the ending uh, the final film the the final shot kind of of the movie the final scene when it starts panning and you can hear sirens in the distance and then you see all these red lanterns lit all around them and you go oh my god this was a bigger thing than we originally thought and it fills you with even more of a sense of dread because you go how because you think how deep does this go how far did this spread and i think that's just so interesting and i and i definitely recommend to 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 everybody that you definitely go watch this movie because it is it is really good <laughs> they did it it's very effective i really liked it um and then to just completely throw something wild in the mix <laughs> um a comedic film if you will 
either of the babysitter movies, which are available on Netflix, because they're just very, I don't know why, but the humor just clicks. It's its completely like a cult comedy, almost. Mm-hmm. I think out of the two, I like uh, Killer Queen, the second movie, Killer Queen, a lot better. Um, also because it has the talents of Jenna Ortega, and she's one of our, I think she's, is she considered, because I consider her as one of our, great modern scream queens or scream queen in the making because she's she's a very she's a very good actor and just her comedic chops in this movie are are so freaking funny and the movie itself is just very funny overall yeah the humor is a little bit clunky at times but it's just just watching these characters go on on the wild ride that is trying to survive a, a satanic cult of influencers is what i like to think of it as is just very entertaining. <laughs> I I agree. Yep. yep. And Tiff, what are three of your favorites? Well, I already mentioned Fresh, which I'm going to say, just like we talked about 28 Days Later being a zombie film and <laughs> going on ahead and defending that, I'm going to defend Fresh <laughs> as a cult film. So, yes. Stick it in your pipe and smoke it, people. Fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome. (laughs) Because it's, um, you know, it takes that idea of this charismatic person who's not trying to kind of hypnotize a massive group of people. He's trying to get you one-on-one. And like Aaron mentioned, he knows how to woo. He knows how to make himself look even better than what he is because on paper, it's like, oh, a doctor, oh, money, oh, handsome, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, Sebastian Stan is, he's got a real feel. I think he's really coming to his own as an actor. He's got these eyes that are just like, I don't want to say they're crazy eyes because they're not. But <laughs> but he's got these eyes that kind of like penetrate, even when he's trying to be like soft and um, really like sincere and come across as sincere. They still like it's like laser beams <laughs> going off. So he does like an awesome job. And if you haven't seen Pam and Tommy, he's like, ah, in that too. Fantastic. I digress. Um, so yes, so fresh, get into it. Um, and it, it brings another level simply because he's also, he's a physician, he's a doctor. He knows how to surgically remove parts. So it's not a hatchet job. You're not going to see a ton of blood or anything like that until the very, you know, end part, but you're going to see this surgical precision of him slicing and dicing people, which is completely to me almost even creepier than somebody just, you know, hacking at people because mm-hmm. he's doing it in a way like it makes him so happy. It makes him so, he's like, this is so much fun. I'm having such a good time. He's playing music in the background. And it's like, it's an operating, t- it's an operating theater for him. It is, it's theater, mm-hmm. it's drama and he loves it. And I was like freaked out watching this movie. I was, I was like, this is so good, but it's so creepy. It's so freaky. But uh, yeah, fresh, put it on your list. Um, as Susie mentioned, and as we mentioned before, Midsommar, Florence Pugh is another one of those actors. She's really, she's young, but 
she has got so much presence uh, on screen. And I think part of it is her, she's got great eyebrows. <laughs> she's got she really great eyebrows. And it, you know, it, it translates to what she does on screen, her, her emotions and her expressions, because it's hard to act with just your eyebrows, but she manages how to do it really, really well. And the grief that she shows in that movie from the beginning with her, you know, with her parents and her sister, it is heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And she carries that throughout the film. You can feel it sort of shift slightly when they get into Norway, but it is heavy. She carries that grief like a blanket. And like Aaron had mentioned, she's got the world's worst boyfriend. She's got horrible. Actually, I don't even know. I don't think those are her friends. Those no, are his really. friends. And they're awful too. I'm like, how do you find people who don't have any sympathy for what you're going through? You literally lost your whole family in one fell swoop and you can't find anybody who can wrap you up, take care of you, feed you hot chocolate and just be with you and grieve with you. This is just weird. This is weird to me that she has nobody. And that's one that's one thing that a cult can swoop in on and can pinpoint. They're like, oh, vulnerable, little lost lamb. Let's grab them up. And she should have never gone. I mean, come on. You have a terrible boyfriend. You shouldn't have traveled thousands of miles with him to, you know, whatever he's doing, this dissertation or whatever. This was silly on your part, but I can see because she was so lonely, that's she's trying to attach herself to a found family of sorts. Mm -hmm. And she finds a very, very (laughs) crazy family in this cult that they, it's so funny because usually you have a cult and it focuses on one thing and one thing only. This cult has suicide. They've got this these pagan rituals of, you know, sex. And they've got this other stuff where they're putting animal heads on people. And it's, <laughs> it's all over the map. It is literally all over the map. So it's like, pick a lane, cult people, and stick with it. But, but it works. You know, Ari Aster had a vision. And he executed that vision. And I think it it was, if anybody but Florence Pugh had been in it, I don't think that there were too many actors who could have done what she did in that movie. So Midsommar, yes. I really waffled on my third one, my third cult film. But I think it was between, for me, it was between The Wicker Man, which was the 1973 version, not the Nick Cage version. <laughs> Um, and if you want to talk about cheesy, the lottery, I don't know if you remember that movie. Oh yeah. With, with Aaron's laughing. Wow. I've yeah. forgotten about it's that from, movie. It's from 96. It's got, uh, it's got Dan Cortezzi and Felicity herself in it. And it's a, it's based off of the short story, The Lottery, where mm-hmm. a, you know, a small, idyllic New England town thinks that a lottery system of killing two people each year will 
continue their idealism, their, you know, the, the success of their little town. And, but I decided to go with the wicker man instead. Um, because <laughs> I mean, it's so the lottery is just so campy, and you know, like Dan Cortez is not not a great actor. So I decided to go with the Wicker Man, and that is what we talk about. You know, like isolation, um, big time, because you know it's like this little island off of Scotland, and it's uh, the the sexual aspect of paganism and. It's even worse because they're bringing, you know, they're teaching children about that, you know, about how the maypole is like a phallic symbol. You think this is okay to tell children? What? Of course. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, sure. Yeah, they need to learn about this. Like he's six years old. What are you talking about? (laughs) And it also is, but it's also the psychological thing. You know, when we talk about gaslighting, this is gaslighting to the nth degree because he knows that this kid is missing, a, a girl named Rowan. She's missing, but everybody is telling him that this girl never existed. It's like, okay, wait a minute. She's on, she's in the, the school register. So obviously at some time she did exist. Somebody else points him to her grave. She did exist, but they are continually telling him, no, 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 this girl never existed. Uh, she she was never in this community. Maybe she was someplace else, but she was never here. And it starts to mess with his mind completely on like, okay, am I really going crazy? Am I really not right when it comes to this? Is she not really missing? So that's a nice breakdown in the, uh, you know, psychologically from somebody who is very strong in his belief because he you know chief howie he is he's a christian he's you know he's a believer and he has a certain idea of how he lives his life and then he gets there and he sees people completely on the opposite end of the spectrum and it it causes a lot of um inner turmoil for him so those are my three i went with fresh midsommar and the wicker man but if you want something completely cheesy watch the lottery too (laughs) i forgot all about that movie (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one it is cheesy but it's 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 wild though in a way too (laughs) wow i forgot all about that one and i i i love that you're including fresh in this because that's totally a no pun intended fresh perspective for me (laughs) And I love I love how Sebastian Stan plays that character because he's really creepy. And the way that film handles the whole premise, too, of like opening it as a romantic comedy. And then you don't even get to the title sequence until you're like 30 minutes into the movie. And I just think that's really, really interesting. And I love when he's dancing with the with the leg. <laughs> he's like, he's just like, Yes, and and I want to say, Susie ate spaghetti and meatballs while she was watching this movie for the first time. <laughs> I just always love to point that out. Oh, yes, that is my favorite thing to tell people. And there's only been, like, one other person that I've, like, I've mentioned that to. And they're like, yeah, because that's what you do. You just eat something while you, while you watch the thing. And I was like, yeah, see? Everyone else thinks I'm crazy. I was actively, like, and the funny thing is I was watching, <laughs> I was eating spaghetti. We, 
me and Aaron, we were like, oh, we're going to live tweet this movie. Start at this time. And then did our thoughts. And then I'm, I'm sitting there and I was like, okay, I'm going to be ready. I'm just going to sit with my little bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. So I'm all ready to go. And it, it was a big bowl too. So I just sat there. And I, just, I, was, I was eating and I was eating. And then as that scene came on, as, as he he literally served someone spaghetti and meatballs yes. and when i saw that come on i was like Ooh. it was like that spider-man meme where it's pointing at each other and but it was just me <laughs> pointing at the screen going oh that's me right now and then aaron tweeted at me are you still eating <laughs> your food and i was like yeah even with more gusto now this is the breast meal i've ever eaten in my life <laughs> let me tell you it is so funny to talk to to try to describe that movie to other people and explain these puns to people who haven't even seen this movie because everyone that i've told this to thinks i'm insane because i go i go hold on a second i'm like hold on the premise is this guy, this girl, fall in love with him, but he's also like chopping off uh, her body parts and other people's body parts to to sell to people so, like they can eat. And they go, what movie is this? And I'm like, but wait a second, hold on. Then she tries to seduce him <laughs> and kind of romance him back. And, but he then starts feeding her like people. And at a certain point, she's eating, she's eating a boob, and she goes, this is the breast meal of my life. <laughs> this is simply the breast. And I was laughing, and my friends were like, you're insane. <laughs> and I was like, you bet I am, but watch this movie, though. It's actually really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't, I couldn't eat while watching that movie, but I think that's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, I love that. Uh, well, my three favorites are, um, I'm, I'm going to not, not mention Midsommar, not because it's not one of my favorites, but just because both Susie and Tiff mentioned it. I will mention one that Susie did mention, but I'll save that for last. Uh, I'm going to mention something that is more on the satanic cult end, and that is House of the Devil, which is a great, if you love 80s and late 70s movies that have to deal with the occult and stuff like that. This is totally for you. It's basically about a baby, a woman who's babysitting. She's in college and she gets this babysitting job. And it's for this creepy family and they're doing some satanic rituals. And it's a slow build, uh, but it's very, very well done. And it's really, really a callback to that. Even like the poster looks like it's from the 80s, late 70s. And it takes place in that kind of time period. And it's just, it's a really, really well done film that, I think kind of got lost in the shuffle. People used to talk about it, but now people don't talk about it that much. And let me pull up where that one is, because I really think people should check that out. So that's on Peacock and Tubi. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to that one because it's one that I try and recommend to people who are fans of horror and especially if they're fans of this subgenre within horror. So definitely check that one out. Um, and then this is a very, very depressing film. And I don't know if either of my panelists have seen The Lodge from 2019. You saw it, Tiff? Have you seen I it, Susie? Mm-hmm. Creepy. And depressing as, oh my <laughs> gosh, it's so depressing. It sounds very familiar. Well, I'll tell you the premise. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely don't want to spoil this because it's like, oh, it's 
basically it's and it's very um claustrophobic this movie is very claustrophobic it's about this woman who has become like the stepmother to these two children she takes them to this lodge um it's the lodge that they that it's a family lodge of theirs uh the husband is supposed to meet them later um she is basically becoming out of a cult she was raised in a cult and so she's dealing with that she's been on um antidepressants or, or some medication for a while and she's still dealing with the after effects of what the cult did to her and growing up in that way and she starts hearing her father's sermons like just coming out of nowhere she just hears them going you have seen it susie she yeah. hears them yeah. coming yeah out now and, that you're describing it yeah yeah i don't and, know why but under my head i had it in a different name <laughs> Yeah, and all the, and so big spoiler here, but um, so all this stuff is happening. She her dog's missing. The children start acting weird, and they're kind of missing. And then she sees the children, and they say they're dead, and that they're all in purgatory. And like they like fake hang themselves and say, "See, look, we're dead. We're in purgatory." And they were gaslighting her this whole entire time. The kids were, and so. The way she handles it is thinking, no, they're not, they, because she was still recovering, and they like were hiding her medicine, all this really horrible stuff they were doing to her, and so she ends up basically killing everybody and herself. Is the way you get the. It, they don't show all of that, but she does kill her husband. It's, it's just it's super depressing. So definitely, he that I should have put beforehand, and I put him in up front, but I'll also add an addendum that with the lodge, it's just super 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 triggering and super depressing there's nothing hopeful at all about this movie uh but it's just really well done and um riley i can never pronounce her last name correctly is it Co keoff or i'm so bad at that oh i think it's riley Kyo. okay yeah she she's his granddaughter oh yeah she she is so she's really good really really fantastic but once again super super duper depressing um and then the last one all in up because this is actually my absolute favorite of the ones that we uh that fall in this genre um and that's the invitation from 2015. i saw this movie like for the first time i think it was like 2016 or 17 because it was on netflix at the time and i remember watching it and being like i need to talk to someone about this movie because it's such a slow build that's why i love it and it deals so much with grief and how people handle grief and how people handle it differently. And that's what the cult they're in, which is called the invitation. That's what that preys on is that grief and guilt as well. And it's so, um, the performances are so amazing and it's so interesting to watch it because you watch as all this weird stuff is happening from the very beginning. It's not like, I mean, it is a slow build film, but everything is really weird from the beginning. And you're watching as it's almost like, even though the friends don't know what they're really doing there with the, the ex-wife and everything, it's almost like they're almost gaslighting the ex-husband the whole time in this way, because he keeps saying, there's something weird going on here. There's something weird. Why do we keep locking the front door? They're in a house that he used to live in and he's no longer allowed. He has to get permission to go to certain rooms to his son's room who his son had passed away, had been, had died in a horrible accident. And so it's just this watching this man who 
nobody seems to really get how he is feeling or seems to really want to listen to what he's going through. And there's just so many disturbing things that happen in it, building up to the climax, which is just like, boom, 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 and really like jarring in a good way. Um, but I know there's there's a scene where they start playing this game that is part of the invitation where it's almost like truth or dare in some weird way where you say the thing that you most want to do and you just do it. And like one of the characters in the invitation, he like is a recovering addict and he one of the people says, I, I want to do the I want to do some of the coke you used to do. And he's like, oh, I have it here. Yes, you can definitely do it. I'm like, this is so weird. And so they're doing all these things. Someone's like, I always wanted to kiss you. And they kiss. And then all of a sudden, one of the people that is a member of the invitation, he's like, well, let me tell you about the, about how I accidentally killed my wife. <laughs> and he tells this whole story that is just like, what the hell? Where he, you know, he basically murdered his wife. And he's telling this. And I'm like, how can you go back to normal things after this? You just can't. And yet... You know, one person does leave right after that, but they still are kind of like in this thing of like um, being just like, let's just be very, very nice and polite to each other. Like that's what uh, director uh, Karen Kusama said about it was that it's basically a film talking about the arts of politeness and how politeness can sometimes lead to devastating things. And if you're just going to work on politeness and not being real, that horrible things might happen. So yeah, and the performances are great. And John Carroll Lynch, who plays Pruitt, who's the guy who killed his wife, is so creepy. <laughs> and he was the one in mind when they wrote it, actually, which which makes sense. But yeah, and I think all the performances are, are really good in that one. So is there a particular type of cult film that I know you kind of mentioned this a little bit, Susie, but is there a particular type that you prefer? I don't, I wouldn't say that I necessarily prefer satanic. I like, okay, here's the thing. I like satanic films when it has to do with the campy aspect of it. Cause that's been just like done to death in media. Just like, oh, satanic cults. No, people worshiping Satan. The worst thing you could possibly do. And it's just, it's, it's 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 very overdone and very like whenever you do come across a cult movie that tries to do like satanism seriously you yourself almost can't like or at least in my experience i can't take it seriously because it's so overdone i feel like it takes a very specific talent and and way of storytelling to kind of make it effective horror other than that, it just it's it's just really campy. And when it when it's intentionally leaning into camp, like some cult films do, most notably uh, the Babysitter, it's really funny because it's like in that film, it's just these. I think they're supposed to be teenagers. <laughs> these uh, these young adults basically are like, oh, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be famous. Oh, I want to be a newscaster. Oh, I want to be a, a model or whatever. And they all ask for incredibly shallow things, and that's what makes it funny. Because yeah, of course you're going to sell your soul. You're going to do it for something really dumb. Because often, like I do that too. Sometimes I go, "Oh my god, I would sell my soul for a, a da 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 for a really nice pastry." 
oh my god, like I would really <laughs> kill for a good croissant. <laughs> Honestly, really Susie. <laughs> Listen, you underestimate the power of a delicious pastry. Especially if it's one of your favorite ones. Like, I am a fiend for croissants. If I ever get, like, a really good croissant, I'm like, dang. Sir, my soul is yours. If I have, like, a guaranteed, like, steady supply of these, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. That that would be the dream, though. Like, let, imagine, like, this is what you asked for. You asked for an unlimited croissant. And one, like, each time that you, like, each time you bite it, it just regenerates. But it never goes bad. It never goes stale. It's just there. <laughs> like, when you go comedic with it, it's really funny and effective. Because obviously, I'm not going to sell myself for a croissant. But the idea of it is very funny to me. But, and I've also mentioned this, when it comes to, like, cult films that, like, I like ones that do come across as very kind of, they, they they try to rationalize their ideals to you and you go, oh, this is terrible, but I can kind of see where you're coming from. And that's scary. Like, or at least I think that that's really scary because you shouldn't be able to rationalize this away. You shouldn't be able to be like, wait, they have points. No, you shouldn't be able to do that. But somehow the way that they tell it and the way that it's presented to you, you go, day, mm. it's a little messed up, but I kind of see it and you know because (laughs) like that absolutely happens to people in real life even like even before my cult experience happened to me I would watch um I would watch like cult films or or cult documentaries and go why do people fall for this this is like no rational person would and then oop oop (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily consider myself the most rational human being on the planet, but yet like it's, that's the scary thing about them is they like, as it's been mentioned before, they know exactly what to do, what mm-hmm. to say, how, how to convince you, how to in a way seduce you as someone who's had a past cult experience. It allows me to go along for the ride in like a safe controlled environment <laughs> Because I can watch it and go, oh no, the horror! You're falling for their traps. They're, 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 they're glamoring you. No, <laughs> and you go, oh man, I've been. And then you go, you sympathize with them. You go, I've been right there with you, buddy. I got out of this. You can too. Sometimes they don't, and it's a little bit like, oh, maybe next time. <laughs> and and when they don't, you just you just hope for the best. And when they do, you go, yes. The evil has been defeated. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Much like earlier when I had to restart my headphones. <laughs> when you defeated the satan the the demon that was possessing you in that moment. <laughs> so Tiff, what are your favorite Denise? <laughs> so I think for me, you know, I'm of the same the same opinion. Like if I'm going to watch something about a cult, I don't necessarily want to delve into the the satanic portion of it or the demonic portion of it, which is I, I like, for example, I like Rosemary's Baby. I like that movie a lot. But I feel like, you know, that was kind of like the top. And then everything else that's gone after that has been like, 
<laughs> just <laughs> significantly lower, significantly lower. It's just like an escalator. Everything just kept going down, down, down. It, um, there just needs to be, if you're going to do it, you need to go all out. Kind of like, I mean, I guess like hereditary, that was really an exceptionally <laughs> satanic film. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it was like, hey, we're going to grab onto this and we're going to give you everything. And and it worked. Um, but like Susie said, if you lean into the camp portion of it and it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll sell myself to be <laughs> a model or I'll sell myself for a 1968 Mustang, you know, that sort of thing. Then, yeah, that's that's funny. That makes me giggle. Um, <laughs> but I like the ones that couch themselves as like a uh family or a self-help and I'm going to go way back Aaron because like we were the only ones that used to watch this show and it's a show it's not a film but remember we used to always talk about the path yes that movie I mean that movie that show was so good because it was wrapped it was a cult wrapped up in the idea of self-determination self-help and we are a family. We embrace you for what you are, but we make you better than what you are. You can achieve all you want to achieve. And there was literally nothing demonic about it until you find out later on what the founder was actually doing with children. So, which in my mind, even if people don't think that child abuse is demonic, that is demonic in my mind it's you know mm-hmm. you do that you're demon you need to be stopped in whatever way we can stop you and yes i mean violence <laughs> but um stuff like that is even more so than something like midsommar which yes you feel like there's this um beautiful setting where everybody is shiny happy people and then you get that stark scene where they're on the hill and you know what happens when they pew off the hill <laughs> yes, they really like Thelma and Louise did off the hill but yeah. uh, <laughs> um it's something you know in in contrast to that something like the path and once again I know it's a show not a movie but it's still but yeah but something like that there is you don't see that violence aspect or that you know that self um that self-harm kind of aspect to it it literally is a family when you see these people living together on a compound which is kind of like red flag style but they don't consider that that and when people look at them they don't necessarily consider it that either they're like okay yeah they're a self-help group we okay, <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, something like if you're going to do the isolated style of cult film, Midsommar is how you want to go. I think in my mind, that's how you want to do things because they are so isolated. You, you can't reach this place, you know, easily. It's like you got to fly thousands of miles away and then you have to get in the car and you have to drive like nine hours to get wherever they are. And there's nothing for miles mm-hmm. around. There's absolutely nothing. Trees <laughs> and and this uh, these meadows and things like that. So 
I think, yeah, my my thing is not the the obvious cult. It's not the one that's obvious. It's the one that's kind of hidden and it reveals itself later on. So I think that's those are like my favorite style of cult films. Not the cult, but <laughs> cult films. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, th- films that deal with uh, Satanism and uh, demons and possession and stuff like that are always really hard for me anyway, for some reason, they really bother me. And I mean, I did mention the house of the devils being one of my favorite films in this genre. And I think it's because to me, it doesn't have the same foreboding dark feeling that some of the other ones do that for some reason is very hard for me. It's one of those things within the horror genre that I have a hard time watching. Like, I mean, The Exorcist, I I have only seen The Exorcist once and I hate The Exorcist. And it's not because I don't think it's well done because I do think it's well done. It's just, it bothers me so much on a deep, deep level that I can't, I can't even hear the music from it. I can't watch scenes from it. It's one of those kind of things for me. And I, and I feel like even The Omen kind of plays into that too. And Rosemary's Baby, of course, and things like that, that it's hard to rewatch and it's hard to really be in that mind frame mindset because everything is so dark the whole entire time. So you don't have that like build up. And I'm not saying like the other cults aren't like they're the, these are the nice ones. It's just more, you have that slower build. So I like the slower build and I do, I'm still, still bummed about the path just ending on such a huge cliffhanger that show. And once again, Tiff and I have this running thing where there are shows that only we are watching (laughs) and we'll be like, I'll get memories from tweets that are like, Oh, did you watch this episode of the path yet? Or this episode of Bates motel yet? And it's just us just (laughs) screaming out there. No one else is watching it. (laughs) Nobody else. (laughs) We were tweeting into the ether. It was so frustrating because they were such good shows and the performances were good and they were great character you know the path was such a great character study and it was also uh, i think a scathing indictment of scientology too because i think so much of that was based on scientology a bit too um so yeah and scientology is definitely a cult um definitely <laughs> there's no way you can say that's not a cult in my opinion uh yeah <laughs> uh you can come after us all you want to but that is a cult so so yeah so that's my favorite though is this more the psychological and the slow build and ones that are are so much of a character study where you are watching someone dealing with something traumatic and how they deal with it and even if there's stuff that they haven't quite wrapped their heads around or they're not sure where that trauma is coming from like people that might have gotten out of cults or something like that like I think a really good example of that is the movie The Perfection on Netflix which heavy trigger warning there for sexual abuse but that was an that one's an interesting one because you don't really know what the movie is completely about until towards the end and so you're watching someone deal with trauma that they don't even know what their trauma is about really and then they find out what their trauma is about and so i like those a lot more because to me they seem seem more real i mean Frankly, I don't really think of satanic cults as really like real, real. So <laughs> that's why I, that's where I think maybe the disconnect is for me. But I do love the babysitter movies. I love those movies because they are totally comedic and funny 
and they know they're funny and they're not taking themselves too seriously and they have the good Amel. So <laughs> that's Robbie Amel. That's the only good Amel. So. <laughs> the only Amel that we recognize. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's hilarious in those movies. <laughs> he's such a himbo. Oh my God. I love him. I, I love how he's trying to kill him, but also be like, I support you, man. Face your bullets. Yes. Get the girl. And you're like, ah, you suck. But also, you're kind of nice. <laughs> I know. Like, maybe if you weren't trying to kill people constantly. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. And I think we may have already kind of said this when we were talking about, you know, satanic cults and stuff as far as, like, ones that we don't like, themes we don't like. So if if my panelists know, are is there, like, one of these movies that you've seen that you personally don't like? Like, you didn't think it was a good movie or didn't think it was handled the subject matter well Susie I personally didn't like the the, um, perfection and that has to do with my own kind of feelings toward it because personally I find films that deal with abuse towards children very hard to watch just based off of my own experiences um that's 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 very hard for me to sit through and to be comfortable watching and so I decide to avoid them overall usually when I when I watch horror movies if I don't really know what it's about I try to I try to look them up and kind of get an idea so I'm not taken by surprise I unfortunately did not do that with the perfection and I didn't have the best time um so just like personally that was one I didn't I don't really care for um but I do understand why some people would like it mm-hmm. yeah no, that's understandable and Tiff I don't like Children of the Corn. No way, shape. Nope. Nope. Little blonde children? Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. And it's, I guess it's more so from, I mean, it's an aesthetic point as well because these children just are like, oh, you know, these little toe-headed kids. Nope. I don't like them in, in big groups. No, thank you. I'm sorry if you have a big family of toe-headed children, <laughs> but I'm going to avoid you. I'm going to cross the street when I see you. Similarly, this is completely off topic, but I don't like ginger men either. Like I have a problem with redheaded men. I don't know why. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. I'm working through it. I'm working through it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working through it. It's been like 30 years, but I'm working through it. Um, yeah, but Children of the Court is a no-go for me. It just is. I don't like demonic children. I just don't. I uh, No, you're supposed to be innocent. You're supposed to be on the playground playing, you know, baseball, handball, tetherball, all the balls. All the balls. <laughs> <laughs> so children of the corn is a no. It's an absolute no. I've seen it twice and I, I have disliked it both times. So no, thank you. <laughs> you're not there going... Outlander. <laughs> oh my gosh, those movies. <laughs> yes, and cornfields terrify me, by the way. Thank you. Why would anybody want to do any of those corn mazes during Halloween? No. Listen, listen if you're doing the corn mazes during the day, it's not as bad. 
it also like also part of me like so apparently one like one one part of like mexican cuisine is that you take like the fungus that's growing on corn and you turn it into the most delicious quesadillas and tacos it's like it's one of the best things the bulacoche so good but (laughs) i would you would never find me in a cornfield at night that is like the what no there is so many opportunity for like to, this is unrelated like i'm not gonna find this in a cornfield ever but i'm terrified of the thought of finding a velociraptor in a cornfield like that is my biggest fear that is so I've do you never know how sneaky you. those suckers are that you is my mixed, worst fear at this time Susie, you have mixed genres <laughs> I have mixed, I, it's mixed genres <laughs> Fine, fine. <laughs> Cornfields or children, like like velociraptors or children. Those are my big no no. In a like, if you find them amongst the corn, that's a, if it's if it's especially worse if set child is riding the velociraptor, you're just just, just done for. I'll, I'll just crawl into a ball and just just decide to perish because I'm not getting out of that. That's that's two evils that have come together to conspire against me. That's a no no. <laughs> but also, if you're ever on like any sort of like forum where people tell like creepy things that have happened to them like in the areas where they live like nine times out of ten they always include cornfields and there's even like a like a little like there's even like the small kind of like subgenre in in those in those communities where it's like it it's in the corn and people talk about like at night or when it's getting dark like corn will do weird things and you'll hear stuff in the corn and that's what like people in rural towns from what i've heard are like they tell their kids don't go into the corn at night because bad things happen and i 100 percent believe that because there is so much chance for 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 the bad stuff to come get you i, I don't trust it Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'll go in the corn during the day because I can see stuff, and if needed, I can just mow corn down by running through it. I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll find, I'll find a waypoint and run towards it. But at night, never. I will never do one of those like cornfields at night. It is no, no, no. Well, you know, I'm, I'm terrified of them, and I, you know, I, even though I love horror, I have a hard time with haunted houses. And the first time I went to haunted house was like in 2019, and there was a corn maze. Was the first thing we went through. Did you go to? And I, we went oh, through it. I know. I'm like, I can't. And there was a per- There was a man with a chainsaw at the very. <laughs> no. <laughs> the whole experience. Well, see, was- my- <laughs> bizarre because yeah yeah absolutely i know i know that's why you will never find me in one of those Mm. things absolutely not i don't like scarecrows oh yes i don't like corn mazes i don't like uh you know what i don't like field of dreams now that i think about it because those ghosts come out of the corn (gasps) yeah exactly exactly those come out of the corn what is that about what were you guys doing in that corn before you said come out Oh, why did you decide to appear from this corn? That's not a, that's not okay. Yep, it's evil corn. I'm right there with you. It's It's evil corn. corn. That corn has bad humors. Exactly, it's got. You're gonna pop. You're gonna pop that popcorn, and like little ghostly faces are gonna come out. Little ghostly faces. (laughs) Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's so funny. Yeah, (laughs) that's weird. 
Uh, well, I'm going in a totally different route here, but there's a movie that came out in 2013 called The Sacrament. This was written and directed by Ty West, who is actually a really, really good horror director. He also did um, The House of the Devil. He most recently did the movie X. I have not seen uh, the prequel Pearl yet, but X is, I think, really good. Very much in the realm of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, kind of. But I think it's also good exploration of sexuality and women and also when you get older and stuff. But this one is a found footage horror film. And it's about some journalists um, who go and they basically go to like a Jim Jones style cult. And I don't know. There's something about this one. It feels kind of exploitative in a way, weird way, even though it's really not like, it's not like they actually outright say it's Jim Jones, but you can tell the glasses, everything that it's Jim Jones and where they're going and all of that. And so there was something about it that just really bothered me, especially because they made it found footage. So it's like they were almost saying, yes, you're going to believe this is actual footage of Jim Jones and Jim Jones is cult. And that was such a horrific horrific tragedy and so many horrible things happened around there. And there were, you know, uh, politicians and people that went there to investigate that cult and had horrible things happen to them too. So it's like, it just felt very, very much like it was too much like a true crime thing and where it was using the tragedies of someone else. Um, and it's also, it's very disturbing, but that whole story is disturbing anyway. But it's very much to me in the line of like why I won't watch the Dahmer series and stuff like that because it's very much cashing in on tragedy and somebody else's tragedy, even though they're not they're not saying it is once again, but it's so clearly supposed to be that that it just really really bothers me. So that 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 would be mine. That's why when I put it on the list, I was like, I have a hard time. <laughs> I hesitate to recommend it. But it's like, it's an interesting one to watch because of the found footage aspect of it. But it just bothers me because it's so outright like that. If they had made the character very different from Jim Jones, I may have had an easier time with it. Because Ty West is actually a really, really good writer and director. Um, and Eli Roth was like a producer on this one, too. And everybody knows I hate Eli Roth. So <laughs> I cannot stand that man. <laughs> so that's that's another reason. Yes, yes. And I, I want to just say, you know, I, I mentioned that this is totally off topic, but just because I, you know, any chance I can take to, even though we talk about him a lot, to criticize Ryan Murphy, I will take it. It really bothers me how much Ryan Murphy and Ryan Murphy Productions, whatever, are celebrating how well their, how well their series Dahmer is doing. It really, really, really bothers me because you didn't give anything to the victims' families at all. In fact, you used their trauma, glamorized it, glamorized the person who was doing this. I don't care what you, I've, I've heard things about it that, you know, yes, they're trying to bring light to, to the fact that, you know, if the police weren't so racist, Dahmer would have been stopped sooner, which is true. And they weren't so homophobic and it's true, but you are also getting off on showing this and getting off on on these victims and their trauma and it just really sickens me and you know 
now people are like wanting to dress their children up as Dahmer and people are wanting to dress up as Dahmer. And this was a real life person who did horrendous, horrible things. This isn't, you know, a fake monster. So I just want to put that out there because it just really, really bothers me. I mean, oh, this, it's just, oh, stop it. Stop it. I mean, just stop it because that's just re-traumatizing the, the victims some more. And don't say get over it. It's been so many years. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you cannot tell people to get over it. And then, of course, they also fudged a lot of things about his dad, too, and basically putting the blame on his dad doing stuff that his dad never did. And I'm not at all saying, like, you know, we should necessarily, I don't have really many opinions on the parents, but it's still, it's like, ew, disgusting. So anyway, sorry, I know that's totally off topic, but talking about the sacrament made me think of that. And I just, any chance I get to critique Ryan Murphy, <laughs> even though I continue to watch his stuff, <laughs> I will take that opportunity. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Okay, so we are now moving on to something a little bit lighter. And I know he's been in a ton of Ryan Murphy things. So <laughs> moving along, I don't know. Did Tiff have you? Did you do a six degrees of Finn Whitrock? I'm looking. And, you know, I'm I know. really bad. I know. I'm like, I'm looking at her face. I'm so bad at it. I'm looking at her face. Every time you ask me this, I, know. I can never come up with anything. I'm like, oh, what? Ask me about somebody else. Now, if you could do six degrees of Denzel Washington, six degrees of Viola Davis, sure, I got you. <laughs> I think I should get a pass because when Aaron's coming out here to um, LA, we're going to see a play with Finn Whitrock. You do get a pass. I I should get a pass. One degree. Oh, one degree. (laughs) One degree. I will be one degree from Finn. See, now now you can say that every time. Am I asking? That's your your thing now. You, you can just tell Aaron. Okay, so I was on the cult episode for It's a Fandom Thing Pod. And I also happened to be in the theater with da 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 da. Spin with Rock. It's two Aaron, degrees. That's Mundo. I'm going to use that from now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
Just change it to whatever podcast episode you're on, and then I was in the theater on, on July 17th. I don't know what I don't remember what date you guys are going. Just like November 15th, 2022. Yes. Same theater. That's actually exactly the date. And then, and then all right. Yes, you got it right. I was like, oh, she knows where we're going. Oh my God. Where's my croissant? <laughs> Where is her pastry? Her <laughs> regenerative pastry. Where is it? If I walk out of this room and I find a pastry in my in my kitchen, I'm gonna be like, guys, <laughs> oh, what does this mean? That's hilarious. <laughs> but I, but I know Susie because Susie has been hyping this up. God, I'm hyping so, this up for me. I'm so excited. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So it started with Mitsumar, as I'm sure. Nobody could have <laughs> could have expected. <laughs> so, Midsummer, Florence Pugh, she was in the commuter with fan favorite of the pod, Vera Farmiga. Yes, and she was in Dust with. Okay, here I don't know how to say his name, his last name, with Joseph Finass, because my brain wants to say Finass. I, I'm not, a, listen, I need to preface this with saying I am not attracted to this man, but my brain just wants to say fine ass every time. How do you say this person's fine. name? Fines. Or fines. Yes. Fines? Yes. The fame. brother, yes. yes, his brother is Rafe. <laughs> Rafe fine ass. Wait, you don't say it, Ralph? No, Rafe. No, it's Rafe. <laughs> my whole life, this whole family is just. A wow. verbal tongue twister for me. Oh my god, this is Ralph just like the already a chocolate thing Fine all over yeah. again. Okay, so Joseph Fine was in Shakespeare in Love with Mr. Darcy himself, Colin Firth, who was in Kingsman: The Secret Service with Taryn Ter- Egerton, who was in. Rocket Man with Bryce Dallas Howard. She was in the village with Jane Atkinson. And here we go. Jane Atkinson was in the Berkshire Theater Festival's 2008 production of Cand- Candida with Finn Whitrock. And, and as far as I know, this is Finn's first credited um, stage appearance. It was also the play that occurred during the 80th season of the Berkshire Theater Festivals. And it's a play by uh, George Bernard Shaw. Holy moly. I have also, I have also, let me, no, listen, listen, I went down a rabbit hole because I even looked up reviews for the play just to see what people said about his performance. And let me tell you, they are a gosh darn delight. Let me, I'm going to read you some right now (laughs) because... Okay, here it is. It says, <clears throat> I really hope Finn listens but to I this. But I declare. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Let, let me tell you. It says, but here's the review from the Berkshire Fine Arts page. This is from 2008. Do you know how far in the archives I had to go to find this? Anyway, that's not unrelated to this. Let's let's hear about this review from his first stage appearance. This said, but I declare that the surprise of the show and unexpected eye-opener was Finn Whitrock, an actor with a considerable bag of tricks for someone so, well, new to the game. As the young poet, he was a bundle of nerves, 
playing his spastic, uncertain character up to the edge of, but never over, the line. An actor with a dozen variations on the shrug and a hundred kicks played them all in perfect timing with the delivery of his lines. But when it was his his co his his co-stars turn to speak, he maintained the character sans the twitches and jerks so as to not upstage the others. Wow. It says when this actor's character in motion, seeing this actor's character in motion was revela- revelatory to me. When he was racked with emotional turmoil and at a loss for words, his body conveyed the meaning in a way that words never could. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then there's also a different review. There's a- let me let me tell you something. There's also a different review where 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 Annette Miller was talking about how. She want she wanted to go see the production because she wanted to see if he lived up to his potential. Because, and I quote, when he was 10 years old, he used to run lines with me at Shakespeare and Company, and I always thought he had it. And he does, so says the review. Whitrock more than holds his own with his seasoned co-stars, Jane Atkinson and Michael Gill, and manages to feel it manages to bring what feels like a Victorian period piece into the 21st century. Wow, I really, I'm going to make that a clip. And since we're releasing this on his birthday, I will, because I'm hoping he knows that. Jeez Louise. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Here's another, here's another bit. I forgot to say this part. Hold on. Last bit and then I'm done. It says, with pretty boy looks that could make him a teen heartthrob, Whitrock is obviously devoted to the craft of acting and makes the most of every gesture and moment on stage. What we've been saying. He's so, he's even in bad and even in bad stuff, he he's like very, his talent shines through. And it's been credit. evident from the beginning, apparently, that he's been on stage and in film. So there you go. Ta-da. Well, he grew up I'm done now. He grew up near stage because his dad, like at with, yeah, with but you know in, in Massachusetts. But yeah, yeah. That's Wow, that's well, and he was accepted to Juilliard twice. <laughs> yes, twice, twice, <laughs> not well, once, but twice. This is where I'm so see, excited to see him this on stage. Is, but I, I've been saying, man, see, I told you I was so excited about this. This six, this is my magnum opus. I don't know if I can top this because this was just the funnest time that I had. Now you understand why I screamed when I when I finally connected it all together and freaked out Benny. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Wow. That was very impressive, Susie, too. I think that may even beat Dungeons and Daddies. Sorry, Meg, but you've been upstaged by Susie. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> well, when you give a dog a bone. <laughs> mine is not nearly as exciting. Mine is uh, the invitation. I use the invitation, and I'm never going to pronounce this, but Mikel, is that how you pronounce his first name? Uh, Michelle. Michelle. It is Michelle. Michelle, uh, Michelle, uh, oh, thank you, thank you, um, who, <laughs> <laughs> who was in the wild with Reese Witherspoon, who was in Just Like Heaven with Mark Ruffalo, who was in The Normal Heart with Finn. So that is definitely nowhere near the one that Susie just did, but. <laughs> And I want to say, since we're releasing this on the 28th, happy birthday, Finn Whitrock. Go watch our um, Finn Whitrock trivia night if you haven't already. It was so much, so much fun. Susie won. She got 260 points. So (laughs) 
it was pretty incredible. But and we're gonna do that as an annual thing. So happy birthday, Finn. If you want to play the listener version of Six Trees of Finn Wintrock for a chance to win some merch, head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click on the Six Degrees of Finn page and submit your findings there. We will have the list of the four things to connect him to. Okay, well, I just want to thank Tiff and Susie for this great, wonderful conversation. I really had a lot of fun, and I've missed seeing Tiff. So I'm very happy to have Tiff back on an episode. She hasn't been on in a while, so it's very, very nice to see you. I'm back, babies. <laughs> I am ready to go. And and you're not going to be back again until like <laughs> December, I think, right? Really? Because you're coming on the VH1 and 90s What's music. What's wrong with me? And then you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be on a lot, unless you want to come and talk about Depeche Mode with me and Carla <laughs> um, for my birthday. <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but. After the turn of the year, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, you are on some in December. You're on some music Yay! ones, and then you're on the Christmas ones. The what? Christmas television one. Okay. I'm going to be so Christmas out. <laughs> you don't even know. I'm talking about from tip to toe Christmas. <laughs> I might have a tree on my head. I don't know. Oh, yet. my gosh. We definitely did to do that live then. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But thank you both so much. So, Susie, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I can go first. <laughs> Y'all, the euphoria I have had this episode, <laughs> even we've got into, like, heavy subject matter, like, some of it, some of the joy cannot be, like, taken away from this moment. Let's just all, again, let's take a moment and just enjoy this. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Continuation. You can find me on <laughs> on instagram at the underscore crafting underscore cryptid and in my bio i have linked my dog's instagram benny underscore pelucita my sweet little demon child my sweet boy and you can also find me on the tweet tweets <laughs> at at suzy q underscore se awesome thank you and then tim you can find me on the Twitters at who is tip is me. That is at who is tip is me. If you come onto my page and you see that my Abby is a cat, it is me. I have decided this year I will only be cats in my avatar on Twitter. So right now it's an orange tabby that is just done with the world. But as of November the 1st, it will be something else. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. I love watching because then whenever it changes, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> it's it's a new one. <laughs> I love cats, in case people didn't know. I love cats with grumpy faces. <laughs> and this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, any show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website, It's a Fandom Thing Pod.com. Click the Contact Us button there. That'll shoot me an email. I would love to start scheduling for next year. So feel free to reach out uh, for that as well. And next week, 
we are kicking off my birthday month celebration. <laughs> Thank you. My panelists are cheering and clapping. Thank you. Um, with some stuff that I love. We are, I do want to give a big heads up. We are going to be off a week. Like I've been saying, I'm going to be in LA. I'm also going to be in Las Vegas at Magic Mike. <laughs> and I get to see Tiff. I am so excited to see Tiff. Because... <laughs> She's coming to see me. <laughs> I am. It's the whole it's the whole reason. But that's a big reason to go to L.A. for me is to be able to see Tiff in person. It'll be only the second time in the eight years, nine years, really, that we have known each other, that we've seen each other face to face. I know. I'm so excited. It's a shame. I know. Eventually, I will make my way to Colorado, people. It's coming. Yes. yes. It's coming. Yes. 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 We, we want that to happen. <laughs> so I'm very excited to be able to see Tiff and to be able to see the ocean and also just have a vacation um, and have a break. And so on that note, we will not be releasing any episodes the week of November 14th. We never take time. I never take time off from the podcast. And so I've decided I'm taking a week off from the podcast so just a big heads up on that. But for the month of November, for my birthday, what we're covering is, I'll go over it really quickly here. First week, we are covering Magnolia, which is my all-time favorite movie. And yes, we will be talking about a Scientologist in that and his performance. <laughs> Tiff's face. Uh, <laughs> and I will be joined by Ishel, who is the co-host of Liberty Diner Dish, the Queer as Folk podcast. This is her first time watching the movie, so I'm going to be very curious to see what her thoughts are. And then Carla and I are going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite bands, and that's Depeche Mode. And then the following week, we're going to be talking about George Clooney. So that will be fun because I've had a crush on George Clooney since Facts of Life. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. There's space on that, Tiff. I am probably going to sign up for that. I'm, I think, put me down. Put okay. me down. Yay, yay, Let's the sexy it. ladies. Let's do yay. it. <laughs> yes, because Meg is going to be on that one and Carla. So it'll be the sexy ladies together. Okay, awesome. Yay. Girls are back. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then we are going to talk about Val Kilmer um, because Val Kilmer, when I was younger, was my favorite actor. And I just think he's an interesting actor to look at. And then, like I said, we'll be off. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Silver Linings Playbook. And don't worry, there will be a lot of critique of the horrible person behind the screen of that one, um, David O. Russell. But for me personally, as with my own mental illness and my own mental health struggles, that movie means a lot to me personally. But I will acknowledge that the person behind it is not a good human being. But I still want to talk about it just to talk about why I think it's so important for me personally um, and the timing of when I saw it, too. And then we are going to finish it up with just an episode of me just talking about other things that I love a lot. So <laughs> that'll be music, actors, theater, uh, books, just a ton, a ton, a ton of things. So that will be so much fun. So thank you so much to everybody who listened to our Horror Month episodes. I loved it so much. Um, and then also keep an ear out because there's going to be a big change to the podcast next year. So we'll, I'll explain that once I let everybody know. So <laughs> I know <laughs> Susie and Tiff are like, huh? 
what? What's going on? <laughs> but until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. And films like that kind of film is sort of my favorite. Whoa. Can go along for the ride. Susie, you, Susie your voice is doing that weird thing it did when we were, recorded our Barbarian review. <laughs> that was bizarre. That was like perfect timing. It was like the devil. It was. Oh my <laughs> it's my voice. No, it's not normal at all. It's not normal at all. No. Um, what's up? Is well, that, yay! Is, is that... We're back. So we're back. <laughs> yes. Satan has let go of you. <laughs> oh, he's released me once more. That was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was like I, if we were if we were actually like filming filming this, it would have been absolutely. I perfect. know. It was perfect. <laughs> you can um, use that as your soundbite if you want, Aaron. <laughs> demonic sound of my voice. <laughs> I know. I probably will. At a, at a caption, momentarily possessed. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.